Thanks to NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Get the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, at netsuite.com. It's Monday, October 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Taylor Muckerman and Jason Moser. And, of course, hovering over all three of us, the news fairy. <laughs> Plenty of Sprinkling it. Sprinkling that pixie dust. All weekend long. Yeah. Pixie dust. I mean, it's the beginning of October. Now, that means actually that, I mean, it's the pumpkin dust. You have to eat candy like every day for the entire month, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. There's yeah. already a, uh, we'll get to the news. Hang with us. Um, <laughs> there's already just a plethora of candy corn up near my desk. Candy corn. Now I forget. Are you a candy corn fan or a. Uh, you know, a little bit. It's I'll there have just a tiny little bit. Yeah. And just to be just enough to remind me, like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to eat this. This isn't my thing. <laughs> um, we're going to get to Facebook. And yes, of course, we're going to get to Tesla. But we got to start with the big. The big pile of dust that was dropped by the news fairy, and that is General Electric. Uh, Flannery is out. The guy's been CEO for just over a year already, and the board of directors apparently was frustrated by the pace of his decision making, which I find interesting, Taylor, because given the behemoth that is General Electric and the size of the mess that John Flannery had to clean up. I thought the guy was moving pretty quickly. Yeah, I figured it was going to take longer than a year, and sure enough, it has. But you know, he announced that they sold the locomotive business. They are planning to sell the healthcare business, uh, exit their 62% stake in Baker Hughes. So, announcements were coming and and coming down the pike. But the, unfortunately, the share price just didn't care, and um, the board ousting him now and replacing him with one of the new board members that they put in place uh, earlier in April. Uh, we'll get to Culp in a second, yep. the new CEO. But Jason, I was, I was really surprised by this news for for <laughs> yeah. a few reasons. One of them, and certainly when I saw this line of reasoning from the board, because one, I did think Flannery was moving pretty quickly, mm-hmm. considering how big that company is. Um, also, you look at the tenure of CEO. General Electric does not flip CEOs very often, and Flannery's been very clear. For all the troubles that GE has had, and all of the depths that the stock has hit during his tenure, one of the things we have praised him for, and others have as well, he's been very clear from the outset. He's been a great communicator. He's been very clear about his plan, and clear about the fact that this was a plan that was going to take several years. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, let's step back to just September 20th. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago on this show, we were talking about. Uh, GE and and I said if you're an owner of shares today, then you need to take CEO John Flannery's language very seriously when he says that they are on a multi-year transformational journey. In English, I said you better pack a lunch. It's going to take. Well, so apparently these guys at GE don't do lunch. Power lunch. Yeah, I mean this this is this really to me does seem extremely knee jerk. I mean it it's hard to not feel like this is just based. On the stock getting cut in half over the course of mm-hmm. a year, uh, but but let's also look at the fact that they're going to write off around twenty three billion dollars from goodwill on this energy acquisition from back in like two thousand and fifteen, which was under ML's tenure, not not Flannery. Yeah. Uh, and it's also I think noteworthy to consider that the twenty three billion dollars in goodwill that they're writing off, that's like thirty percent of the total goodwill on the balance sheet. So they still have. A lot, a lot hanging out there. Now, I mean, in today's 
day and age, I mean, we basically live in a non-GAAP world anyway. So any company can write off any goodwill they want, frame it however they like in the earnings call, and just you know go on about their business. But I, just, I mean, I think this all really goes back to things that Flannery had nothing to do with. The same thing with the insurance issue that cropped up earlier this year. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, maybe maybe there's more to the story that we don't know about. But but regardless, it, it seems extremely knee jerk, and I don't know that anybody else you put in there is going to be able to get things going any any more quickly, any any faster, because this, as you said, is just this behemoth that they're trying to unwind and simplify, and that just by nature takes time. Yeah, he was dealt a very bad hand sure. when he walked in the door, and he knew that. He knew it, yeah. So let's talk about Larry Culp, who mm-hmm. is the brand new CEO and chairman of the board. As you mentioned, Taylor, Culp was brought on to join the board, was it earlier this year? Yeah, I believe it's, so. Yeah, it was like February, maybe April, something around there, when they had to when they had to bring on new board members outside, from outside the company. And Culp was previously the CEO of Danaher. Mm-hmm. How did he do there? Because it seems yeah. like, based on the stock, he did well. He did very well. Yeah, the stock up, I think, around 500% over the... If I just went January 1 of 2000 to January 1 of 2014, didn't use the exact specific dates that he was CEO there, but general range and market cap went from around $10 billion up to over $60 billion, and the stock followed suit. So, definitely a successful tenure there, instituting what he called the Danaher business system, which was basically a set of processes and procedures to bring on these acquired businesses that they that they snapped up over that tenure. And uh, it's very well regarded around the world as a a business system that maybe he can bring in and infuse within GE and try and turn this ship around. Um, I mean, it seems like some of the the groundwork has been laid. See if he continues with the same plans that uh, Flannery laid out. I would imagine that he might because he was on the board while Flannery was announcing these plans. So, familiar with them, maybe not as familiar with the business as Flannery because he's the first outside CEO that GE has ever had in 126 years. Yeah, this pokes a little bit of a hole in the narrative that we've heard, certainly for the last 20 years or so, of the GE management style and the way that General Electric has groomed its leaders, Mm -hmm. because Flannery was a homegrown guy. Yeah, I mean, I have no executive experience, but I'm going to offer Larry here just a little piece of advice. Based on what I've seen here up to this point, you might want to steer away from language that includes phrases like multi-year transformational journey. Apparently, that's just not working out. Is that the magic word? Apparently. I mean, that's just, yeah, if you say something like that, oh, he's just not the right guy for the job. Well, keep on looking. You know, one thing before we conclude this, I, it, it, I, I was looking at this earlier because we just covered Bed Bath and Beyond not, not, too, not too long ago, and it started sticking into my mind like these are two very familiar names uh, for, for all of us, not only as investors, but really consumers. And in the, <laughs> the tenure charts for these, for these two stocks are just amazingly similar. I mean, over the course of 10 years, GE is down 54%, Bed Bath and Beyond is down 52%. I mean, when you look at the actual bell curve there, it's just it's it's something to behold, and I think it just says a lot to uh, a couple of businesses that were poorly led, and 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 I mean one of them I think was just out innovated. I mean one of them just kind of slept at the wheel of innovation and in e-commerce, but the other one in GE was just. Uh, 
getting outside of its wheelhouse mm-hmm. and just trying to become too many things. But if you had to buy one of those two stocks today, is th- there's no way you're buying Bed Bath and Beyond? Oh no, no, no! I wouldn't buy Between that with two, your yeah. money and taking <laughs> the buy button. I mean, I'm still going to try try my hand at General Electric there. Real quick on the stock, uh, the stock pre market was up about 16 percent, and I'm wondering, Jason, if at least a few people. Uh, are thinking what you're thinking that maybe this is a knee jerk reaction because the, it has come down. It's, shares of GE still up around nine percent mm-hmm. at this point, but it is it is going to be interesting to see, particularly if more information comes out about Flannery's tenure. Because based on everything we've heard yep. right now, it kind of seems knee jerkish. Let's move on to Tesla, and I think it's important to set the context. And the context <laughs> is that last week. Reportedly, there was a deal in place between the SEC and Tesla, and reportedly, Tesla's lawyers had told the SEC, Elon Musk is going to sign this deal. And he got a good night's sleep and woke up and said, I'm not signing this thing. (laughs) And that led to uh, the SEC suing them for fraud. But the deal was reportedly a fine for Elon Musk, a fine for Tesla, a requirement that Tesla add two new independent directors to the board, and a two-year ban on Elon Musk serving as chairman of the board. And that's the deal he rejected. And over the weekend, <laughs> apparently, he saw the light, because he accepted a deal that basically had those same terms, except for the fact that the two-year ban is now a three-year ban on him serving as chairman of the board. So I, I just like to think that Elon Musk is a uh, motley fool money listener because I think we called this on this week's episode, right, Chris? I mean, we it was the lead we story. realized sort of his knee-jerk reaction, and we thought, hey, listen, he's got more to lose, and so he would come back around and and go ahead and settle this because I mean, there were too many reasons. To, 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 to not do that. I mean, he, he had too much to lose to just sit there and try to stretch this thing out, particularly where, where you consider uh, Tesla is today. But for me, it's interesting to see how many people are having fun framing Musk losing the chairman's role as bad. Because as investors, like we actually love to see that separate. I do. I love to see that separation yeah. of powers. And, and I mean, if anything, it, it perhaps gives someone to counter Musk's somewhat impetuous nature. I mean, that is unless they you know, install a puppet. But I don't think that's something that would necessarily happen. So, I think, ultimately, this is a good thing. And I think, if anything else, this just goes to show you that, as an individual investor like we are, there are just forces at play that we cannot anticipate and really can't have any effect on. Because market closed Friday, the world was coming to an end. Pre-market today, all is right with the world. There's nothing that we can do to try to be a part of that. That's why we uh, take that business-focused approach of just saying, "Hey, we're going to try to find good businesses that are changing the world with good leaders, and we'll we'll go ahead and hitch our wagons to their stars and just take the long, the long, uh, long-term approach." There, but these are the types of things that we have no control over. Can't 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 compete on that field. Seems like a slap on the wrist to me, even though he is out of the chairmanship role. I appreciate it as a shareholder, but they, I think they originally wanted to ban him from being a director or an officer of any publicly traded company. Well, so that was that was the lawsuit that was yeah. going. That was basically, um, hey, here's this deal. Go ahead and take this deal, and, and you can put this behind yeah. you. And he said no, and they said okay. Well, now we're now we're going to sue you for fraud. And by yeah. the way, here's what one of the penalties. And if he if they had proven him guilty of fraud, then yeah, that was that was 
one of the things that they were facing. And I'm sure that there were people, whether they were other executives or lawyers at Tesla or large shareholders, mm-hmm. who pulled them aside and said, "Hey, you think." Things are distracting right now. Imagine this lawsuit and spending the next couple of years on this. And oh, by the way, if you lose, this is what you're yeah. looking at. Well, yeah, I think he brought on uh, Mark Cuban's lawyer from his insider trading case, so maybe he had some <laughs> influence there to be like, "I've been through this before. You might not want to test him." I mean, it's, it's Tesla's not 16 percent better today. Okay, it's not like it's a company that all is all is now fixed. I mean, it still has very much the same challenges as it had on Thursday and in Friday of last week. This just clearly erases some uncertainty, and and that was that was some. Big uncertainty um, if, if he decided to go to go through with that suit. And he's still tweeting out naughty by nature music videos at 4 a.m. on on Monday morning, the day after all this breaks, and uh, sending emails to all employees on Sunday to encourage them to close out September with a bang. So I want to go back to something you had touched on, Jason, because I also find this interesting that there are some people out there who are painting this as a as a big loss. For Elon Musk, and sure, he's got to write a twenty million dollar check, and Tesla's got to do the same thing. But I mean, let's say instead he just came out this morning and said, "I'm stepping down as chairman of the board. I'm announcing that we are going to be hiring two new independent directors." And oh, by the way, uh, I realized that I've been tweeting a little bit too much, and and now my tweets are going to be reviewed by people before they go out. We would all applaud that. I'm not a shareholder, (laughs) and I would stand up and applaud that. It's just the difference of someone volunteering to do Mm -hmm. something versus being told to do it right. I just think there are a lot of people out there that. Whether they're just Tesla bears or whether they just don't like the way Musk runs his company and, and, and communicates, they just they're glad to see he got his, his uh, ass handed to him, so mm-hmm. to speak, for for a round. But I, I mean, it, again, I mean, you 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 gotta love what this guy's trying to do. Uh, I mean, beyond just cars, I mean, it just it's not many people out there that can do what he's doing. And, and so I don't know. I, I'm not an investor in Tesla, but but I certainly do support what he's doing. Quick shout out to NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. New new sponsor for Market Fuller. Mm-hmm. So, keep them coming. Sponsors. Uh, this is not some one size fits all software. Uh, with industry specific support for a broad range of business, NetSuite works the way your business works. Thousands of the best known brands and fastest growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business, and now it is available to you for your business. The power of the world's most popular cloud management system is more affordable than you think. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. So save time and money by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desk or phone. Get the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth. And you can get that free guide simply by going to netsuite.com slash fool. That's netsuite.com. Send that guide over to GE. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Larry Culp, if you're listening, you might want to go to netsuite.com slash fool. Facebook announced late last week that hackers managed to gain access to nearly 50 million accounts. And that's a shame. They say, <laughs> you know, they say in life, timing is everything. And I think that cuts both ways because right now, 
the timing really could hardly be worse for Facebook for this type of news. The Cambridge Analytica stuff is mm-hmm. still close enough in the rearview mirror. We've got the midterm elections coming next month. GDPR in Europe. <laughs> yes, yeah. the, the prospect of a what is it, one point six billion dollar fine, yeah. all, all that sort of thing. This, they're working with the FBI to try and figure out all of the details here. But this is just, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm sort of tempted to say that given the strength of Facebook's business, given how dominant the company is, how sticky the platform is, mm-hmm. that it's not going to matter. Yeah. But the optics sure are bad. I think until someone actually uses this data in a very malicious way, I think that these just keep getting brushed off to the side, at least by the users of these websites. Until or until I read an interesting thought that maybe some of the partners that Facebook uses, like when you have these tokens, you're logged in and you can hop into your Spotify account, you can hop into Airbnb and that kind of stuff using your Facebook login. If these partners start to get nervous and pull out, maybe that kills a little bit of the functionality and the ecosystem that Facebook has created. But until until someone uses this data in a malicious way to affect these 50 million people, I think it just it's yesterday's news next week. Yeah, I mean, more than likely so. I mean, I think we've been saying this for a while that this is just the cost of doing business with a company like Facebook and really any of these companies where you are where you're offering up your data in such an explicit fashion. I mean, no one's twisting your arm. You're the one going in there and telling people where you are and what you're having mm-hmm. for dinner. And then so I mean I I think this is going to be something that just continues to happen and, and I mean you're right Facebook's business is so dominant because its user base is so big and they have so many different platforms it's really difficult to just change human behavior I don't think people generally are going to pivot towards not being social and not using social platforms. I do think it's important, you keyed in on a good point there, Taylor, in regard to partners of Facebook's. We read not all that long ago about how Facebook had really been courting banks to get more of that data. And I mean, I think it's very important to think about that, because if you look at something like a bank, I mean, a bank has all of the incentive in the world to keep your data private, to keep your data secure. Facebook's business model, actually, (laughs) they have the incentive to not protect your data. I mean, their business model is essentially based on monetizing your Mm -hmm. data. And so, you have to consider that. And so, I just, for me, I think Facebook continues to exist, no problem. I do think there will be limits on partners that want to that want to do too much yeah. with them because those incentives are not aligned. And they're even you know they're chasing out the executives of companies that they've purchased. WhatsApp, they were trying to monetize yeah. that in ways that the founders didn't appreciate, so they're leaving. I don't know if that's why the Instagram guys are taking off, but. That's pretty recent news as well. Yeah, we had Brad Stone, uh, who wrote the Everything Store and the Upstarts. He was the guest on Motley Fool Money last week, and one of the things I asked him was about the departure of the Instagram mm-hmm. executives and, and some of the other executives who have recently left Facebook. And one of the things I asked him was, "Hey, does this hurt Facebook in terms of future acquisitions? Because if I worked at Alphabet in M and A, I would absolutely use that as a talking yeah. point against Facebook." And uh, Brad said. No, I don't think that hurts them. I think that what's hurting them more is just the spotlight that big tech 
is under right now in terms of these data breaches, in terms of Congress, mm-hmm. all these sorts of things. Like, if you're a small upstart tech company, a fifty million dollar company, hundred million dollar company, that sort of thing, and Facebook or Alphabet or some other tech giant comes knocking on your door talking about an acquisition, there's part of you that's like, you know what? We kind of like not being in the spotlight, yeah. and so. We're going to say no for now. Yeah, and I don't think this is something that's going to end anytime soon. I mean, I think uh, GDPR was a, a start, mm-hmm. but a lot of these tech companies were here last week testifying again. And it sounds like while lawmakers are not looking to outright regulate them, I mean, there is going to be legislation crafted to protect consumers more. And, and that of course, is going to take forever to craft. And I mean, there are going to be a lot of uh, conflicts of interest there to try to make this all work for everybody involved. So, uh, it's just a, a another way of saying that this is going to take some time. And, and it's certain that the, the legislative outlook here, it'll, it'll look far different, I think, a year from now than it does today. And, and I, don't know, I don't know that that necessarily bodes well for these businesses. Jason Moser, Taylor Ruckerman, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.